hostage taker or presenter is somebody who's going who's got 150 slides and they're going to read the whole way through it you know and they're going to take 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 the whole audience hostage and read the whole way through Hey there, and welcome to yet another episode of the World of Presentations podcast brought to you by Asset Presentation Agency 356 Labs, the company that's also behind the largest premium yearly presentation skills conference in the world, Present to Succeed. We're not going to talk about the conference. We are in the podcast world right now. I'm Boris, the founder of the company and your host for today's episode. And today I have a colleague of ours from our industry who is coming from, as he says, one of the most beautiful places on earth, if not Johnny, if not the most beautiful, the absolute, the absolute most, the absolute most. He is coming from New Zealand. <laughs> Wait, from New Zealand. Uh, Johnny Quinn is with us. He and their company, uh, which is called Audience Alive. There is something that I really liked in their introduction on LinkedIn. So I'll read that one. We understand you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. So we want your presentation to realize its full potential. That is. So- so nicely like so well put johnny welcome to the podcast thank you boris and it's awesome to be here today and with you and really looking forward to this this podcast with you and thank you for the intro yeah i'm uh, an irishman uh, but uh, lived in the middle east for 20 years and uh, started a business making presentations and also audience engagement technology and kind of working around the the conferencing area and then eventually decided that one day I'd love to go and live in New Zealand so with my wife and two kids made our way here in 2015 just in time for the pandemic and have been lucky enough to be here in New Zealand during lockdown and there hasn't been a better place swimming in lakes and that sort of stuff we don't talk about it because it just makes everyone else jealous and angry Yeah. Oh, well, when you're in one of the, if not the most beautiful place on earth, yeah, it's understandable, you know. So yeah. what did I miss to mention? There was a little bit more about how did you get into the world of presentations and probably a little bit of the experience of Audience Alive. Yeah, I mean, again, my background, I was audiovisual. So I was sound, lighting, video, you know, data projectors, those those days, you know. And I really, born out of uh, laziness, decided to become a presentation specialist. And why laziness? Well, if you think about uh, the average conference going on and you do a time lapse of the setup with somebody cleaning the floor and then the lighting rig comes in and then the, the stage comes in and then the, the video screens and the sound all get set up and then the chairs get laid out, the last person to arrive and the first person to go home on the crew is normally the video tech or the um, graphics tech. So I wanted to be the graphics tech because I realized, hey, these guys turn up with a couple of laptops, they do all the flashy graphics and then they leave. And we were doing stuff like Ventus and Watch Out and different systems, but people kept coming to me and saying, look, my PowerPoint is terrible. How can I make it better? You know, I've got this 16 by nine window, but wouldn't it be good to do ultra wide or do something different? So we started, you know, really looking at PowerPoint and thinking, you know, we could really do this in PowerPoint, you know, and PowerPoint was synonymous with boredom. So we started looking at it and thinking, well, we could do stop stop motion animations in PowerPoint. We could do all sorts of things. So we started playing with it. And that was about, that was in 2001. So about uh, 600 clients and, Sort of twenty-eight thousand slides later, here we are, and uh, we've we've run on, we've engaged millions of uh, conference goers at different events with audience engagement technologies. So yeah, it's really I've grown up around this industry, and it's been wonderful to watch 
podcasts such as this one come along and really aim at business people because there's a huge amount of people out there in business who really want to learn how to do this stuff better. And if our industry can help them, then that's what we want to do. Yeah, and that being said, having in mind that our audience are not just present people from the industry, which I know are listening, so kudos to everybody that's spending still the time to learn from everyone else and each other. Uh, but mainly we have business professionals on the podcast who just strive to be better in their presentations on a daily basis or at least like constantly strive to be exceptional in everything they do. Like everybody right now is in that virtual world. Everyone is presenting, not in person, but in a virtual setup. What are the main, and we wanted to talk with you obviously about your experience and everything that you have done in that space. What are the, let's jump to it. Like what are the main considerations? Like what should people know in order to set up well for a virtual call? Yeah, I mean, there's been a huge sea change in all of our industries. I mean, standing in front of an audience, you've got tell, you've got presence, you know, and you've got that connection and emotive connection when you're in the room with people. I mean, I actually went to a conference last week. Can you believe it? Whoa, first time in the year I went and actually went to a conference in Auckland and walked right into the room. And I get that, you know, my business is called Audience Alive because I kind of want to engage the audience and want to understand, are the audience really engaging it? And, you know, the, it was a hybrid event. So, you know, pe people in the room were, were also presenting and there are some challenges with that, with that. But I noticed right away that, you know, there's kind of the same environment of being in, an, in, a, in a live environment, but we've spent so much time in, on Zoom and with Zoom fatigue and trying to get people engaged. So, you know, the main considerations when you're presenting online are really getting yourself well set up now. In the setup area, what I really recommend to my to my clients is that to get a wired connection to their laptop is one of the first things or their computer, because people tend to rely on Wi-Fi and it ends up with a load of latency or, or clashes going on in the house. You know, your kids, you've got a late night Zoom call and the kids are suddenly jumping on and watching a, a YouTube video or something and you can get a lot of clashes going on. So getting a dongle connected to your USB port connecting over to cat5 and plugging that into the back of your router is one of the key things to do because you're then you know got priority over the router and having a backup to that as well so you know i've i've discovered that on my microsoft surface for example i can have a data connection um, from my network but i can also have a 4g connection connected via my mobile phone and in several times my wipe my my data connection has dropped and it's changed over automatically to the 4g connection so Setting that up and having some sort of backup is really important. Uh, so get rid of the distractions that are going on around you. So think about the noises and the sort of different elements. We've all seen the video of that poor gentleman who was um, a BBC reporter. He was on a BBC and his kids came in the room. So really consider locking your doors and making sure people aren't coming in. Get the sound set up. The most critical thing, if the video disappears, is to have good sound. And now today I'm using the Yeti Blue and a lot of us use that sort of that sort of microphone. But generally you want a headset of some sort. You want, you know, so, so try not to be speaking into the microphone and listening on your laptop because you'll end up ultimately with poor quality. And, you know, get, so getting a professional good sound is really impo important. Either a tie clip and use, use some earbuds. If you have nothing else, use AirPods are a great, great solution. 
um, watch out for the background noises that are going on. And then lighting. Lighting is critical as well, especially if you're on a Zoom call. So some sort of good flat lighting. Um, like I, I have actually been up at 4 a.m. presenting to people here in New Zealand, 4, 4 p.m. in the UK. And, you know, yeah, it's you know, you've got to be on your game and you've got to be well lit. There's no point in relying on daylight for that. I've got to have a decent lighting set up. Um, and you don't want you want any harsh shadows. Um, ideally, people will use a really good camera. I see a lot of people relying on a camera that's kind of in their laptop, and that's a real challenge because the cameras that are typically in laptops are not good enough. So I will ide- ideally recommend a Logitech, a HD camera, 1080p camera. That's a decent quality camera. You can obviously then go higher into you know DSLRs, etc. But just a good quality webcam is really important. Because that can really now the most important thing about the webcam is that it's on eye level and that you're looking directly into the lens when you're talking. And that's a real challenge. You need to practice that. That doesn't come naturally to us. We need to look through the lens and consider the person at the other end. So looking at the screen and looking at the person is a big mistake. So please don't go for the up the nose shot, which you see a lot of people, even on professional television, doing that. And that's a real challenge with the, the camera pointing up your nose. Terrible, terrible, terrible use of uh, of setup. So make sure that the camera's on up on eye level. If I was presenting to people, I will generally stand up. So a really good investment is an electric desk so that you can sit down and work at it and then you can motor the desk right up and stand up and kind of, uh, you know, present when you stand up. When you stand up, you can use a little bit of space. You can create some stagecraft so you can move in the space you have. Normally, we teach people to move around the stage and and create different uh, impact areas as they move around the stage. But you can do that in a very small Zoom type way as well in the window that you have. And when you stand up, your whole physiology changes and your breathing changes so that you're in presenter mode. Um, If you really can uh, use a green screen, that's one of the best ways we've seen. So if you've got good lighting, good camera and a green screen behind you, you can then change that background. You can put your PowerPoint in there. You can do a weatherman style presentation um, and using Zoom and some of the features of Zoom, which are the advanced features, you can present with your slides. So you're actually appearing with your slides on the screen. If you don't have a virtual background, then make sure you've got something personal in the background, something that links to you. So, you know, maybe some kids' pictures or maybe your your certificates on the wall. But, you know, try to avoid the kind of really messy background because that will just sort of confuse people. Um, and have something that kind of is is personal to you that makes makes you look human. So a plant, for example, just having a plant in the background can can bring your bring a bit of greenery into your environment. Um, and then lastly, the thing that I really try to get people to understand is that please, please, as well as working on your slides, please consider that you want to work on what the questions you're going to ask your audience and you're going to set up Zoom, for example, or Teams. You're going to set up engaging questions. And I'm talking about polling questions. And people don't really think about this. We tend to forget about you know, the audience. Yeah, If we actually engage the audience, it creates a dialogue with them. And a lot of people feel that they have to monologue. But if you think about it, interaction is the difference between a monologue and a dialogue. So if we create that interaction, it becomes a, it becomes a conversation and it removes fear for the presenter. So by asking somebody a question at the start or the whole audience a question and doing a poll, even something as simple as how are you feeling today? You know, are you wide awake or do you need a coffee? You know, that gets everybody engaged and they have to switch on and get connected to you. 
So, you know, really doing that, but also planning breakout sessions. We're trying to get people to do more breakouts because, you know, a breakout session is a high point. 90% of audiences love it when you run a breakout session. They love going out and meeting a couple of other people, discussing a subject, doing a little campfire and coming back into the main meeting and then discussing it. So those are some of the considerations and just getting set up for presenting online. I talked about a lot there. You could break all those down into individual, but there's there's a lot of lot to consider. Yeah, a lot as you said, there are a lot of things to be considered. Many people, I think, at least from what we see with the people around us and our customers, initially think that it's easier just because they're at home. But then when you want to like really do it well, it turns out that it's not as easy, right? There are a lot of things that you need to consider. Uh, by the way, I, every single thing that you said, like the stand-up desks, the internet connection, uh, the cameras, the mics, all of that stuff, we push our customers to also upgrade all of those by themselves and not wait for the company to invest in that part. Because if you think about it, this is the first impression that you're doing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. The camera that I'm using today, for example, and the the microphone I'm using, they were no more than sort of fifty US dollars. I mean, if you you know secondhand, so you can really look around and you can find really reasonably priced solutions. It doesn't have to cost a fortune. Yeah, an electric yeah. desk is a five hundred dollar inve- investment, but you can use a box. You know, you can use a cardboard box and and lift lift the camera up. You know, so it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. But we are seeing and hearing that there's a lot of Zoom fatigue going on and people are finding being on camera very challenging. They, they, you know, and th- there's still research going on around this. People, people sort of assumed, oh, it'd be easy. I'll just hop on a Zoom call. But, you know, we're not used to being on camera for hours on end. You know what I mean? It's a very unusual thing and people find it challenging. So, yeah, I think the, the jury's out on it, whether it's better. It's certainly better in terms of global reach. I mean, I've never had such global reach than I have had in the past year, being able to connect with people all around the world. And, you know, it's easy to jump on a Zoom call and time zones or, you know, you've got Calendly or you can you can, you can can organize calendars. So it's um, it's been wonderful for getting connected to other people, but you've got to have those, use those same principles when you meet. You've got to present well, you've got to have a clear voice, you know, you've got to come across well. So presentation skills, you know, have become more important. And indeed, you know, slides and content has become more important because if you're going to use a slide with a huge amount of dense information on it, it's really not going to come across well on Zoom. So it's got to, you've really got to have one simple idea on each slide, really, you know, big infographics, simple use of content to really get your message across and be impactful. Yeah. By the way, we recently had this discussion about with Mark Bowden. Uh, you may know uh, him, who is in the Bolo language world. Um, he, by the way, and we were just talking about because I'm currently not in my office for uh, for reasons that you know about. Mm-hmm. But I'll skip to mention during the podcast uh, because of confidentiality issues, <laughs> etc. Uh, but. In our office, we also have this uh, DSLR. We use the Sony Alpha, the mirrorless mm-hmm. camera, which creates this incredible like video stream. But then we talked with Mark about this and he was like, what is that camera that you're using? Like, what's going on? And I'm like, this is the camera. We also use this thing that's called Elgato so that it streams. It's a small device that allows you to stream from the camera to the Zoom call or to the um, any platform for that matter. And... Mark actually did a video on LinkedIn about his setup recently and showcased the differences between the Sony camera 
and also a camera that you more or less mentioned that's the Logitech camera, but he mentioned the Brio, the 4K, yeah. uh, the 4K camera. I'm currently on this podcast using the 4K Brio. This camera is so good, right? I mean, this is so such a nice camera, especially if you have proper lighting, it's scary to watch, right? And it costs 200 bucks. Yes, it's in, it's still a little bit expensive, you can say, but I don't know about your opinion, but I always push our people to think that, hey, the camera and the sound, right? All those two things, because the background you can fix, right? Or at least you can try. Mm-hmm. The lighting you can also try, even if you are not able to get those cheap light bo- uh, ring um, lights, etc., for 10, 20 euros or whatever, you can try and get in front of a window, etc., as, for example, I have done. But the video and the audio, if you think about it, okay, they are investments. But mm-hmm. in the same way as with the desk that you mentioned, okay, it's a little bit more expensive, sure. It will last for so long, right? You buy it once and then you are going to reuse it on a daily basis for yep. years and years and years. To come. Yeah, because I the, don't know, you, you'll correct me here probably, but I don't think that the sound technologies will change that dramatically. You know, mm-hmm. like if you, good, if you have a great mic now, the mic will be still great five years from now. Yeah, it will. You know? yeah. I so mean, I, I, this, yeah, I, I yeah. think that the, the stand-up desk is one of the, the simplest things because a lot of people have a challenge of having to change yeah. their environment. And, you know, when I press a button under my desk and motorize it up or to lift it up, um, I turn into a presenter mode and I kind of become more of a presenter if I'm live on camera. And that is a whole physiological sort of change when I actually stand up to present and I breathe differently and I'm moving around and I'm I'm essentially doing what I'd normally be doing on stage, but I'm doing it in the window of Zoom. And, and it's really important. I would just say in order of importance that the audio is actually the most important because Completely. a huge amount of people are out there in webinars and they're not using their video. You know, video is, I mean, we've seen ridiculous things like no chat, no video. I mean, these are monologues. You might as well not even be there. You know what I mean? So, you know, in terms of organizing meetings, if you're going to have a real engagement, it has to be a meeting with people's video cameras turned on, with people engaging. If you're going to do a webinar, there isn't, in my view, much difference. In fact, I attended a webinar during lockdown and I quickly realized that I wasn't at a webinar. I was actually watching a video of a webinar. And a lot of suppliers are starting to do that. They're actually playing a webinar style video and you can't really interact you can't do anything. So there isn't much difference in this than, than just having an offline video and just watching a video. It's ridiculous. And I felt cheated and I was angry as an audience member. So really, you know, the whole concept of kind of, you know, getting an audience alive and getting them engaged is all about creating that engagement. And people need to have their videos on, they need to be able to talk and they need to be able to engage. And that's why we're seeing Clubhouse kind of, you know, Clubhouse, things like Clubhouse growing dramatically because they're live, they're in the moment. You don't get a chance to edit and record it. And people have to, you know, people have to be experts in their in their field. So yeah, really important. Yeah. What about let's jump to let's jump to the tech, not the tech, the, the conferences and the tech part of the conference. Like if you are a presenter, because people here are being invited or being asked by their by their companies to go on stage whenever that would be in the future, who knows? What are the main challenges that presenters have when they approach when they approach the conference stage? What have you seen? Like what yeah, are they I mean, struggling with? 
I, I think a lot of people suffer from glossophobia and procrastination. Those are the two main things that procrastination kills presentations every day. You know, uh, HSBC <laughs> did a great advert about, you know, welcome to the Museum of Procrastination. First exhibit is, you know, unfinished novels. And next we our next exhibit is unplayed instruments, you know. So presenters and psychology around presenting and glossophobia, which is the fear of public speaking, generally what happens is people will leave it to the last minute and then stand up and say, apologize and do a poor job. And that's because they don't want to do it. They don't want to plan ahead. I mean, we both run design agencies. And how many times do you get people calling you saying, you know, I've got these 200 slides that I need by, you know, next week, maybe, or Monday, you know. You know? So we, <laughs> we really don't get people planning ahead and having a presentation strategy. What is your presentation strategy, Mr. Customer? What are you trying to do? How are you trying to get your message across? And have you trained your people to a level of a, uh, that they're able to deliver your co company boilerplate or get your message across? But Technically, we see people just challenged with aspect ratio, for example. Is it four to three? Mm. Is it 16.9? Is it 16.10? I mean, 16.9 is largely a problematic format, you know? So, you know, widescreen is, 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 is in, there are different modes to it and different elements. So people are confused with getting their slides set up in terms of what they're going to bring and how they're going to bring it along. But also, you know, are they bringing a laptop or are they bringing a USB? So are presenters presenting from laptop or a USB in terms of, you know, get, getting your message across and actually delivering your slides? If you have video in there, is the video going to work? How is it going to play? So doing a rehearsal is generally a challenge as well. And that podium has become a real problem as well on stage, because if you're on stage and most future meetings are going to be hybrid, I mean, there's going to be an element of online, no matter what way you look at it. So that limits a presenter. And we've been telling presenters for years, get away from the podium and move away because people, we need to see the whole person, the whole presenter. But then you get to a conference and the conference organizer says, this is a hybrid meeting. Don't leave the podium. Stay right there. We've got a locked on camera on it, especially if they don't have a, you know, a, somebody operating the cameras. So really try yeah. to push it so that you can you can move. At the conference last week, I went to them at the, at the back of the room and I said, look, I want to move. You know, I need a, a wireless mic. I need to get away from the podium. And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, you can do it. We'll, we'll get a cameraman there. So you must set that up beforehand. Otherwise, you'll be locked into a position where, you know, it's, it's good for the online audience, but not necessarily for you as a presenter because you need to move and get out from behind the podium. So, yeah, those are some of the things that I thought about that are kind of current challenges. And as we come out of Zoom and go back on stage, you know, we're going to have to bring those ideas with us as we go to conferences again. Yeah. Do you, by the way, recommend to your customers? Because when you, when I heard you saying all about the, are you bringing a USB? Are you bringing your laptop? Are you doing the rehearsals with the uh, AV team, uh, the audio and video guys, etc.? Now, do you, do you recommend to your, because I personally, because like we're in the world of presentations for the last five years, but I personally have spent 12 coming from the tech space, presenting mm -hmm. at various tech conferences around, around the world. I have personally always pushed, not just myself, but everyone, every person that we work with to always work on their computer if they have the option, like mm -hmm. every single time. Because it's just, there's just so many things that can fail on someone else's computer. And I always say, hey, you just don't know that machine, you know, mm -hmm. like I mean, you don't know. 
if I'm going to a conference in Saudi Arabia from Dubai, I will have three because what I have is a lot of technophobia. So, you know, presenter technophobia in the sense that okay. the fear of something going wrong technically. And this yeah. is a real fear. And it goes it goes right hand in hand with glossophobia. A big part of fear of public speaking is fear of technically something's going to let me down. So, yep. you know, by and I be, I'm a boy, I'm a Boy Scout leader, you know, so I believe in having plan A, B and C. So I will have my own laptop with me. I will have a, I'll have the same thing on a USB in case, I don't know, I drop my laptop on the plane or, you know, I'm, I, you know, something goes wrong, my laptop okay. fails. So I'll have the latest yeah. copy on a USB drive, on a flash drive. And I will also have a copy in the cloud and I'll have a copy in Dropbox or maybe I'll have sent it ahead. And you know, very often in, in this situation, you know, they wanted my slides beforehand last week. And, and I keep referring to last week because here again, I'm back at a conference yep. and, and I'm going through that experience as a presenter. And yes, they had my slides, but I had, I had dumbed down my slides because I knew that, that the slides couldn't be that have that much information in it really because it was a hybrid meeting and people would be watching it on, on Zoom or, or Teams. And they really you know, wanted, the, wanted the slides beforehand. So I, I made sure that I ran through it with them before when I got there and it, everything worked perfectly. I didn't have my normal clicker, which we'll come on to that in a moment when we talk about clickers and PC remote controls. They just had the the, the standard big Steve Jobs green button one. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's OK, but it didn't have a it, it doesn't have it has a green laser in it. But, you know, it, it's not as ideal as using Spotlight. And we'll talk about Spotlight as we come on. Yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying, like having those copies. And it's important to mention, especially for the tech people in the crowd who not like their presentation is not just slides, but demos and stuff like that. You need to be able to have such copies and such backups on a USB or OneDrive or Dropbox or both, right? That if something happens, you are able to recreate the whole thing, not just yes. the slides. Yeah, and because absolutely. for technical speakers, for example, that's a completely different story. And I mean, and, and also, you know, if I if we flip over to the tech side and to being a, te a yeah. technician, you know, having been a graphics ops for many years, you know, one of the things we need to be aware of are the hostage takers. We call them hostage takers. Now I'm from I'm from Belfast and Northern Ireland, which is you know kind of a, a, a it's a dangerous thing to be mentioning hostage takers. But a hostage taker, a presenter, is somebody who's going who's got 150 slides and they're going to read the whole way through it, you know, and they're going to take 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 the whole audience hostage and read the whole way through and then several times you know over my career i've seen people you know on slide 70 of 180 and they're pretty much finished with their time and we're trying to get them off stage but they're going to keep going and and really how do you shut somebody like that up where they're where they're going to go ahead and you, you don't you can't go and pull them off the stage so you know you notice in the oscars they start playing a bit of music um you know but in this case we were flashing the traffic lights at him and we had the the screen monitor saying things like oh your time is up please stop and, and he wouldn't stop. And uh, I have actually seen it where, where he, he was caught in the mode of I'm, I'm doing my presentation and I have to keep going. And we were going to lose the whole time frame, frame completely. So do you know how we actually stopped him? We nope. fired a 15 kilohertz tone into the stage monitors, the speakers on the stage uh, from the sound desk. So it was like a little ee, ee, ee. And that's how we actually got the gentleman to stop talking eventually. And that was uh, that was a kind of crazy situation we found ourselves in. We were actually having to stop the person talking because they wouldn't stop talking. So um, that, that's another common, common challenge we see at conferences where people are kind of like in their sort of stick and they're just going to keep going 
and uh, we have to so so that problem was could have been resolved by having slide review beforehand and slide preparation and that's you know a lot of what we do in in the industry is we look at look you've got you know 150 slides there's no way you can present all these in an hour you know unless they're single images so looking at the content and working out normally people on average present one slide per minute um if it's if it's not a you know terribly dense slide um, and that that's the sort of average time that we would see. So, you know, slide times are becoming less and less and less. And in my teachings of interactive and contextual based pre presenting using PowerPoint Zoom, where you can kind of move around interactively through the slides, that's um, that, that's one of the simplest ways of sort of getting a lot of content across very contextually. Whoa, this guy really didn't want to step off the stage, huh? Crazy. Okay, now let's jump to the top five gadgets you think every presenter should carry with them. What's your take on this? I mean, like in terms of um, an order of importance, I tried to sort of put these in order of what's really important. What couldn't I do without? Um, I mean, like, you know, what I'd find really hard to do without is my Logi Spotlight. So my Logitech Spotlight is a PC remote control. It connects by Bluetooth to, or USB to my laptop. And it frees me from my lap, from the podium. I can move entirely around the room, but it does much more than that because it allows me to create a spot on the screen, which is a, a halo um, or a magnified area on the screen that allows me to show where I'm using the mouse and I can highlight different areas. So awesome for people who are used to using laser pointers. The Logitech Spotlight allows you to create a spot and highlight an area on the screen if you want to identify it. And this obviously works much better, you know, instead of a laser pointer, especially on, on LCD screens or big televisions or, or LED walls. So that really comes across really well where a laser pointer will not. But that's not really the main focus of the Logitech Spotlight. The main focus of it is that you're controlling the mouse. Now, in PowerPoint, I have typically in my training slides, 500 slides. So it's impossible for me to go through 500 slides in a day. So what I have is I have them broken down into the different sections that I'm going to be training on. And that's done in PowerPoint into the different sections. And people haven't really switched on to sections yet, but sections are really important because it allows you to kind of segment up your, your presentations. And especially as a trainer, if you know you're going to be doing one slide per minute on average, you've got 50 slides, 50, 60 slides as an hour's training. So you can section the whole thing up. Now, once you've got all those different sections, by putting in a, a summary Zoom slide at the start, that gives me my sort of first slide, which allows me to click and move through the presentation interactively. So dynamic and interactive presentations are really the way to go. Why do we present linearly? Why do people present linearly? Well, I personally believe that it comes from the concept of slides, i.e. 35 millimeter slides in a carousel projector, and you couldn't go from one to 25. But can you do that in PowerPoint? Yes, you can by simply hitting 25 on the keyboard. You know, when in slideshow mode, PowerPoint will jump to slide 25. So we have seen over the years people starting moving interactively through their slides. Now, when you do that, your first question to your audience is, here are the 10 areas that I could talk about. What do you want me to talk about? And that sets you up as absolutely the expert. And then people will say, oh, tell us about, you know, so on. tell us about, you know, visual hierarchy. And you can drop down and you can go straight to it. 
that removes a huge amount of glossophobia because you've now got a conversation going on, not a monologue. And people are interacting with you and saying, tell us about this, Johnny, tell us about that. And it creates much more of an engagement. So my favorite section is um, I have play a game and take a break. Play a game, you know. So a lot of people are get bored in a whole day's training. So we have a whole range of different games that we play with people throughout the day. And gamification is one of the funniest and best ways to get an audience engaged. So Logitech Spotlight is my connection to the interactive element of my presenting and how I present interactively. And, and I absolutely love it because it allows me to move around and it's never let me down. It's got an awesome battery in it. It goes on all day. Yes, it's a tad expensive as a presenter remote control, but believe me, buy one, you will never look back. It's one of the best gadgets that are out there. Yep, that remote is indeed the best, absolutely the best. Remember when I first bought it, that premium feel? And yeah. even till today, people are like amazed yeah. when they see it. Yeah. You know, here, here's the Logitech guys in New Zealand, by the way, gave me 10 of them to give away to clients. So I, I used to, I actually call, called them up and said, this has got to be, this is a revolutionary device for presenters. And you you need people like me shouting about it. And they, they dropped 10 of them off to me and I gave them out to my clients um, as we were going through. So it, it's an awesome product. And I even have, I have the bottom button here programmed to jump back to um, the first slide. So at any point in my presenting, if people say, uh, hang on, that's a great point. I just want to ask you, tell me about this. So all of the clients that I work with, we, we convert all of the presentations into be non-linear, dynamic, and contextual to the audience. And that's critical in terms of how, you know, improving the time that you spend presenting. So Logitech Spotlight, an absolute uh, top gadget as far as I'm concerned. Now, then moving on to, you know, audio. We have a lot of problems. We're, we're trying to use more media in, present, in presenting. We're trying to use more video. So every 20 minutes, if you think of Guy Kawasaki's uh, formula of 10, 20, 30, 10 slides delivered in 20 minutes with no font size less than 30, then every 20 minutes we want to be engaging people with a piece of media or an, engage, or an interaction or some change in what we're doing because that's ideally the way we, we people learn better. So... If I'm using audio a lot, if I'm playing a little video clip, a one minute video clip, I really have to rely on audio when I'm presenting to people. So what happens if when I get to a client's you know, room as we go in a lot of the time and you plug in HDMI to your laptop and then the sound's coming out of some terrible TV or there's no sound. So one of the tools that I travel with all the time is, uh, is a JBL speaker. It's just a tiny little speaker. Um, I think this one, uh, this one's called the um, JBL Micro Wireless. It's, it's Bluetooth and also has a cable on it. So it allows me to connect in the cable directly into my laptop. And that, believe it or not, is such a small little speaker. I've run events with 50 people in it, you know, for training, and it still worked fine. It's much better than the, than the speaker that's in your laptop. So having a backup speaker with you is something I totally recommend because it removes that fear of what happens if my sound isn't going to work and I've got 30 videos in my presentation. So that would that would be another one. And then, you know, moving on, other audio connectors, you know, be, most presenters will have a little bag, um, you know, a little bag. And for those on video, I'm showing you mine. It's got kind of, you know, a whole range of different connectors in it and different and different different things that I may need. Now, thankfully, HDMI has made that easier. And a lot of things are getting better, but making sure you have a good HDMI dongle is really important from, you know, DisplayPort over to HDMI or VGA so that you have those sort of 
ports and connectors, especially if you're traveling internationally, so you can get connected to the main screen. But thankfully, the days of kind of, you know, terrible VGA connections and, you know, terrible pictures are, are really gone, you know, with HDMI. But we are noticing that as you go into other training rooms, things are starting to get a little bit more complicated now. We've got different aspect ratios, you've got different screen sizes, et cetera, and there can be challenges around it. So just have the connections that you need to. And then um, another great gadget that I would always bring with me is audience engagement, is a voting clicker any sort of voting clicker um, or some sort of engagement. Now, people have been predicting the end of voting clickers for many, many years. Uh, these sort of, if you're on video, I'm talking about stuff like this, the little turning point voting clickers. We still use these things to this day. Why? Well, we do like to engage people on their phones and we do use their phones, absolutely. And we have different softwares and we'll come on to some of those as we chat. But really, you know, people have an emotional connection with their phone. When you ask them to pick it up, they know that you're going to ask them something and you could possibly track who they are and you know what they're saying. The beauty of arriving with a physical device that you hand out, and I'm talking about training environments of 50 people, um, you know, I'm not talking about 5,000 people in an audience, but certainly you know, with a decent group, group of people, if you hand them out a device and ask them to click it, you will get a much more honest response than you would get from, from anyone else. And we're all about engaging everyone and embarrassing no one. So we're about getting that honest response from audiences. Uh, is my presentation really impactful? Am I doing well? You know, those sorts of things. Now, what other technologies out there that does that? Well, you know, if you've heard of PowerPoint Live, it's coming along. So live presentations in PowerPoint, you now have the ability for people to click happy, sad emoticons in there. So, you know, as a presenter, we're going to end up with a, some sort of live feedback on whether the audience is sleepy, engaged, and that's going to become more and more of a challenge for presenters. You know, I mean, audiences are live feeding back to us on engagement levels, and that's that's going to become really important. PowerPoint Live is indeed a game changer. Everyone go to the PowerPoint online version at Office 365 and the slideshow tab in there yes. and explore that one if you still haven't. Now, what are, Jenny, what are some other cool features in PowerPoint that you like that are your favorites? Any on top of your mind? Well, I mean, there are about seven or eight of them. Like Quick Starter, I love. The icon library is absolutely brilliant for getting rid of bullet points. So replace bullet points with icons. You know, 3D objects, we're still only exploring what we can do with those. I've seen some amazing uses of the 3D objects and creating your own 3D objects. You know, but using 3D objects non-literally, non like let me take you on a journey through, uh, for example, let me take you through on a journey through a tree. We're talking about, you know, green or you're talking about sustainability. Let me take you through a tree. You know what I mean? Like, let's go in the roots and come out the branches, you know? So, you know, using it that way in terms of creatively, we haven't really even started to see what we can do with 3D. But Presenter Coach is absolutely brilliant. So for years, and I totally, a big shout out to the guys at RI, O-R-A-I, RI, the app, that helps people, you know, their vocal range. And Presenter Coach has now arrived. And Presenter Coach, is, it just rolled out in Office 365, and it's absolutely brilliant. It gives you full feedback on whether you're using inclusive language, you know, your voice, pace, pitch, volume, and clarity, you know, your energy level. So, you know, this, this is really adding value to presenters you know you can really rehearse and practice with 
an AI coach that's giving you real feedback. So kudos to Microsoft. That's absolutely brilliant. We love Slide Designer building slides, but it's not going to put us out of business because it can never be as good as a real designer designing slides. So Slide Designer is good. But my absolute favorite one is live subtitles. So when you stand up in front of an audience and you allow them to read what you're saying live, that's a real wow moment for people. So I was presenting in Japan and I switched on Japanese and I was asking them in English, how much of what I'm saying are you really getting? And they're like, 80%. We get 80% of what you're saying. And that's awesome, you know, return on value from for something that's in, integrated into it. So I can be speaking in any language and be translating into another language. And they even have Maori in there. We have Gaelic language. So we've got Polish. We've got a whole load of really different languages in there and it's, it's growing all the time and it's an awesome tool and with in powerpoint live people can be actually watching in their own language so um it's it's really an excellent um way of including everyone and really improving uh you know inclusion that generally so those that would be my top one live subtitles indeed rehearse with coach is an incredible one i remember when i first saw it i was like okay now that's serious plus it has a ton of potential What's the reaction of your customers when you show that feature to them? Yeah, my yeah, my my most common sort of question or comment that people make to me is, I can't believe this is PowerPoint, you know. So I don't know if you remember the advert, I can't believe this is butter, but it's like it's not butter, but this is uh, people are like, I can't believe it's this is PowerPoint. It's just you know. You know, people people are stuck in the hist historical kind of references of what PowerPoint is, but PowerPoint's a media mixer of stories, pictures, graphs, charts, diagrams, you know, media, you know, and, and that's really what it is. It's a container for all of your ideas and however you creatively want to get them across. So, um, you know, it, and it's changed dramatically over the past few years. So, um, yeah, shout out to Microsoft and all the team there. It's been, it's been really good and, and excellent advances in it. Yep. Let's now shift gears though and talk about engagement. What are the tools you advise the people around you to utilize to make sure that they keep their audiences engaged? Yeah, I mean look, the the thing is is that, you know, as we've mentioned, interaction is the difference between a monologue and a dialogue. And I think all presenters have to be brave to try this. You know, it's not it's not instinctive in us. A lot of presenters go to their comfort zone, which is I'm going to present and I'm going to pretend the audience aren't there. You know what I mean? It's sort of thing. And, you know, Zoom hasn't helped us with that. I mean, it, you're 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 presenting into a black hole sometimes. There's not even a face looking at you. You know, you've got no presence. There's no there isn't really telepresence, you know what I mean, on Zoom. So how do you get that presence, you know? And and what I urge you to try and do is to try and create an engagement. And look, well, let's look at what's free. Yeah, let's forget about cost at all. What's completely free is for you to ask a question. You know, just ask a question. It could be a rhetorical question, non-rhetorical question, but ask a question. You know, how many of you have ever considered life insurance? You know, so just it's as simple as that. Yeah, to, and we often talk about that as an opener. To ask, to start with a question really creates engagement. If you want to then layer on and, and get some real answers from the audience, then use the free polling options in zoom and teams it's right there it's if you've got the paid version of zoom you've got the option for polling you can poll the audience they all press a button and you get an immediate response just try it you will see an amazing reaction from the audience and also you will get a warm feeling inside as, as a presenter because you've connected with people and you've really created a connection so using 
things like Kahoot, and, and by the way, I'll make sure that uh, we I give you all of these um, URLs for your show notes. So Kahoot is K-A-H-O-O-T. It's a free system. And, you know, kids, Gen Zs are doing this already. They're sitting in classes playing Kahoots all day, every day. So, you know, the millennials of us and the Xs and the boomers, we're, we're all we haven't been brought up with this, but the younger generations are coming through expecting this, you know, and they actually use this. So um, polls and breakouts, you know, are another great way, but use Kahoot and the Zoom polls are, are the way to connect with those. Then looking at kind of lower cost solutions, you know, the $50 type marks, please don't quote me on that. Um, Mentimeter, Poll Everywhere, Slido. Now Slido is kind of per event, but these these, these are awesome audience engagement tools. And then layering on into the sort of higher level costs, you know, would be things like turning technologies. We have to buy a whole kit of keypads if you're going to run an AGM and you want to get weighted voting. And that's that's a completely different element. But then also bringing in some of the event apps like Event Mobi or you know, um, you know, some some of the other elements that are out there. So there's there's a whole range of different sort of levels to it as you move through. And I'll make sure that you get some show notes from me around what I recommend and you know what, what's but. Bear in mind, there are thousands of suppliers in this market and Mentimeter might be your favorite or Slido, you know, so there will be different levels in terms of what people use and how they, what they're used to. But the main thing is to try it, try audience engagement. You know, very often people think about the slides and the content and the, the storytelling, and then they think about themselves and body language and presenting themselves well, and they tend to forget the audience, you know, and that's the third part of the formula of an alive audience is really engaging the audience and getting them engaged. So promise you, once you try audience engagement, it becomes a kind of a little bit of a hook and you start loving it and you can start layering on things like, well, let's play gamification. Why don't we do our whole presentation as a quiz, for example? And that brings us on into then meeting architecture and changing the whole architecture of the meeting. But that's another story for another day. Okay, one last for me. We always ask our guests, who else should we get on the podcast? Someone that made a great impression on you with something related to presenting. Just one name, though. Um, I suppose more importantly than that, I had uh, 10 minutes with Sir Richard Branson once, um, and it was a very quick chat. And I was very lucky to we were launching Virgin throughout the Middle East, and we were sitting outside a bar one night, and um, he was actually sitting on the ground. He was tired and he, he had had a long day. And I can see why he's such a successful guy because his, his empathy and his ability to connect with people is amazing. And I, I wanted to chat to him a little bit about, you know, I was at that point where what am I going to do with my life? What am I interested in? You know, what's my passion? You know, can I really follow my passion? And I knew I was passionate about, pre, you know, presenting and helping people create impact through presentations. And I asked him, I was sort of, I felt bad kind of, you know, kind of trying to use this moment because we were kind of, he was a bit tired. And I said to him, you know, can you, you know, what would be your advice for somebody like me who's trying to start out, who's trying to get going? And he said, I'll, I'll give you a quotation. And it's not my quotation. It's a quotation from Alan Carr, I think it was. And it's one of my favorite quotations. And one of the things that I've lived by as I've gone along, and it is that the greatest risk in your life is to spend your time not doing what you want on the bet that you can buy yourself the time to do it later. And I thought about that deep and long, and I thought, so find my passion, find what I love doing, and go do that. And he said, yep, 
That's it. That's what you need to do. Whatever it is, whatever you're passionate about. And I know this has become a bit of a cliche, but frankly, I've spent, I don't feel like I've had a job for the past 20 years. For the past 20 years, my success has been through watching audiences be engaged by me helping that presenter on stage or that conference producer really creating an engagement where audiences are really loving it. And that's really how I'd sum it up. And that's, that's how I would, uh, that's how I'd like to be, to be remembered. Um, and, and, you know, that, that's the impact I'd like to have. So you're advising us to get Sir Richard Branson on the podcast? You do. Let's get him. Let's get him. And I'm sure he'll, he'll show up one day. Okay. We will do our best here. Let's see how this one would go. At least we can try, you know, follow your, follow your passion, follow your passion, Boris. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> final question where do people connect with you and what is the best place for them to see more about what you're doing well for me it's linkedin so i'm johnny quinney or audience alive on linkedin and if you just google audience alive you will find me uh on there and in, in i'm well well spread across the the network just um with those two words so if you google audience alive or audiencealive.com um you'll find us um and we're based in dubai and also in new zealand and you're all invited to come to New Zealand whenever borders open again. So come visit us and we look forward to welcoming you here. All right. So we will link all of this in the podcast show notes. So everyone check those out. Johnny, thanks again for joining us. And hey, if anyone listening has a question on anything we talked about, shoot us a message on any social media and we'll be happy to answer. In the meantime, visit our website 356labs.com and see how we are helping some of the biggest brands out there with their presentations, virtual events and training needs. Also, if you still don't know about the yearly Present to Succeed conference our company organizes, check that one out too and join us in the upcoming edition. The prices are very, very compelling, yet you'll be learning from some of the brightest storytellers presentation and data designers and public speakers in the world. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Subscribe if you like it and share it with a friend. See you in the next one.